Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. I like the way we start the show. When I when I start it by myself, like if I'm interviewing somebody over Zoom, yeah. I sound really different. I sound... You sound I different? Even, I don't even know who I am anymore. Uh. <laughs> so what you're saying is your entire identity is wrapped up in me. Wow, that sounds really bad. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I think it's reads. actually totally wrapped up in my little grandson, Jude. Yesterday, for the first day, he called me Grammy, and I, well, Gammy, actually, but I just about melted on the floor of Costco. I was so, oh, he's called my name. <laughs> it was really sweet. Did he react when you reacted? Well, I mean, I didn't gush all over him or anything, but... I said, you said Gammy. <laughs> I was very excited. I'd be excited. Yeah. I The poor poor kid forgets me every time I, like, between every time I see him. So it takes, I'll go up to him and ask if he wants to give me a hug. And he never does at first. And that's totally fine. But he warms up to you every he, time. He does. And relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, pandemic, right? When you're, when you're not even two years old yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, a week probably seems like a year and it's a half very to long. Time, yeah. And speaking of things seeming like a long time, we were just trying to figure out um, when I was in Senegal. Yeah, which is in Africa, if you are. Yeah, and because we're going to be talking about that, and I thought it was like two years ago, but it uh, must have been three because it was definitely it was not it was not in twenty. Well, you said you said a year and a half. Yeah, it would have been twenty eighteen. So we're talking three years. Yeah, that's when I got married. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Mm, yes. No. Yeah, because yeah, I met Scott in 2016. Well, then it was 19 then. It, it would have been 2019 we were in Senegal because it wasn't the same year. Because it was the same time of year. Mm, and still. I was definitely at your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> were you? I was. I don't remember. I it's was. all blur. <clears throat> well, the reason we're talking about Senegal um, in this share show is that I I watched the movie I Feel Pretty on the long, long flight to Senegal. And uh, I don't... Did you ever see it? Mm-mm. I've okay. never even heard of it, actually. Oh, really? It's the story of an ordinary-looking woman who's played by Amy Schumer. I was going to say, is she actually ordinary-looking or is she Hollywood-ordinary-looking? Well, I don't know. Amy Schumer. I don't I know what you'd say. I'd say she's, like, Hollywood-ordinary-looking. Okay. But she's working a dead-end job, and she's living this life with no excitement or romance. Mm-hmm. She's she's generally disillusioned um, with her life, but she doesn't really expect anything to change because she feels very ordinary, very mm-hmm. invisible, and unattractive. It's, it's um, quite funny. There's this comical incident at the gym where she falls and hits her head. And when she comes to... She sees herself differently. She she seems to think that some kind of spell has changed her into a ravishing beauty. And in reality, she looks no different. She's still slightly chunky. She's quite unremarkable looking, the same as she was before, but she doesn't know that. Her belief that she's now drop-dead gorgeous changes everything about her life. It's, it's the confidence she exhibits. Um, it, that, it makes her popular. She wins a boyfriend. She has a great new job and, and so much more fulfillment in life. 
like I said, she looks no different than she did before she hit her head, but she sees herself differently. Mm -hmm. And as a result, people are attracted to her. They respond to her warmth, her confidence, her positivity, because she believes she's beautiful. She's able to rise above the self-consciousness of a poor self-image, and she engages people Mm -hmm. in a winsome way. So it kind of made an impression on me, and it really made me think about how I've developed my Mm self-esteem and how life would be different um, if a person did walk through life feeling like they were beautiful and loved and special and Mm -hmm. important. I I thought more about the movie in my second week in Africa when after our speaking responsibilities were over in Dakar, we spent time on a beach frequented mainly by French tourists. And if you've ever been at a beach with a lot of Europeans, you've likely noticed that their culture has different ideas about appropriate beachwear. About about nudity and and what have you in Generally, general. Yeah, yeah North like, Americans are are a little tightly laced uh, compared, <laughs> compared to, to most of the rest of the world. Of the rest yeah. Of the world. Yeah. yeah, we're pretty prudish in terms of swimwear, at least. So you know, teeny tiny speedos mm-hmm. on men. Um, you know, thongs are extremely common. Mm-hmm. Women go topless. Mm-hmm. A lot of women, not everybody. But, but here's what's fascinating to me, or was fascinating to me when I'm in this environment. It's not necessarily just the young, firm, and perky who embrace this practice of going topless. It's also much older women, women my age and older. And honestly, when some of them lie on their backs... Like, their breasts disappear into their armpits. Which is normal and acceptable. <laughs> I want to be clear. That's well, what boobs do. Gravity okay. works. But this Every is, time. But this is where I'm going. They don't care who sees it. Mm-hmm. And they obviously don't base their value on how they look on the beach. This is, like, tangentially related. Um, I watch a lot of... Um, YouTubers who either make historical costumes and uh, make them with original practice or actually wear historical dress every day. Um, I follow a gentleman who dresses Regency wise. So if you've um, if you've seen. Oh, I forget what it's called. If you like Pride and Prejudice era, um, a lady Mm -hmm. who dresses in a Victorian Edwardian style. And one thing one of these YouTubers was saying was, today, we are all expected to have a body that looks good in modern fashions. Historically, that has almost never been a thing. It's only been a thing for about the last hundred years because previous to that, padding and cinching were all very normal. Um, In the Victorian Edwardian era, this pigeon-breasted shape was very normal. And so there was padding. Your stays or your your bodice would have padding and boning that just curved over your boobs and and down to your stomach. Right. It didn't matter how you were shaped because it was expected... The dress had the shape in it. Yeah, it was expected that you built onto your shape. It, that was just how you did it. So and no one actually knew what your body looked right. like. So it didn't matter. Right. I want that. I want that to come back. <laughs> uh, well, you know, when I saw these these old topless ladies in, in Senegal, I, I really admired them. I admired their confidence 
And and I'm going to be vulnerable here. It's not just modesty that would keep me from going topless on a beach. It's the belief I've bought into, sold to me by the media, I suppose, Mm -hmm. that because I don't look like a swimsuit model, I'm defective. And therefore should remain covered. <laughs> well, and I've, I've heard you say for pretty much as long as I can remember in regards to swimwear, like, oh, I, I can't wear that. Or I found a swimsuit that actually looks good. And like, you're not a very big lady. <laughs> I am a big lady at this point in my life. Um, so let me be clear about that. But like, yeah, this is something that at least as long as I've been conscious, you've struggled with. Yeah, I have drunk from the North American Kool-Aid of shame over a normal, imperfect body. And there is no perfect body. That's no. the other thing. No, that that's exactly right. But I think mo- a lot of us believe that if we don't have an athletic, yet slender, yeah. but with curves in specific places, then we're defective. And I, I caught myself thinking just this, just last week, I don't have a weight problem. I have a figure problem. Well, where did I get that idea that just because my stomach isn't flat, there's something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Why have I bought into the idea that there's only one acceptable female body type? How destructive is that? Well, I'm very body or I actively work to be very body positive. I'm very fat positive. Fat is not always a good indicator of health. And unless you're going around smacking cigarettes out of people's hands, we need to stop pretending that we're concerned about fat people's um, health. And I again, I say fat as a descriptor like tall or blonde. Right. You're not using it as a a derogatory term because fat Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. In my in my book. Um, and I catch myself a lot being like, it would be OK if I was the right kind of fat, but I'm the wrong kind of fat. I don't have particularly thick thighs. I don't have a big butt. I have increasingly large boobs. But, um, <laughs> you know, I carry most of my weight around my stomach. I really have a spare You're more tire. of an apple than a pear. I truly am an apple. Um I am a pear. You are a pear. <laughs> I and I would love to be a pear because that's the right kind of fat. Mm. So even in in body acceptance, even plus size models, they are a very specific kind of fat or kind of plus size if you prefer. So kind of shape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so even in a more like progressive body accepting sphere, that structure exists and persists more importantly right and yet it's um it's not universal i mean thinking back to those europeans on the beach mm-hmm. um you know they they clearly had a different idea about what's okay mm-hmm. or just don't care and um i think our north american obsession with being a certain type of body is really, really unhealthy mm-hmm. and really, really skewed. So if our culture can inspire such shame over our appearance, how else might culture affect our self-esteem? Um, I think success. Um, I think we, you know, we, we post on social media, we post and we publish and we celebrate our successes as well we should. However, 
we do not post and celebrate and and publish knowledge our yeah, yeah our our failures our struggles i mean <laughs> i do most people don't yes, i am i am vulnerable to a fault you, everywhere you, you i go you are and i know that part of the reason that you are is that you're trying to change that fake culture of social media partially yeah if i like mm. i'll edit my selfies so that i like i have clearer skin or the bags under my eyes go away but when i do i make it. sure i mention yeah. hey i cleaned up my skin in this picture yeah um, um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think feeling like I should be X successful by now. Like I know for a fact, one of my role models, Haley Williams, she was already by my age. She had like three albums under her belt. Her band had changed lineups like four times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think being knowing as much as we know about the people we consider successful gives us metrics that are not necessarily typical or helpful. Right. And probably not even, um, not even entirely accurate. I mean, Haley Williams, yeah, she's got the three albums or whatever, but what else is going on in her life? Mm -hmm. You know, we have no idea. And I think as we um, evaluate ourselves based on our appearance, our abilities, our successes, or other qualities, we tend to see and focus on our flaws and failures. We experience shame and sometimes long to cover up who we really are. So have you have you ever wondered the why of that? I don't know that I've wondered why. I think I first of all, I do think my frame of reference is messed up because I'm a mentally ill person um, who is painfully self-aware. Um, but the really all I can offer you on this point is. It reminds me of a lyric from a show called Dear Evan Hansen, um, and it's, what if everyone saw, what if everyone knew, would they like what they saw, or would they hate it too? Um, and I think we all struggle with that at some point. So we we look at ourselves through the filter of how we think other people see us. Mm-hmm. And we think they're going to be just as hard on us as we are on ourselves. Right. Well... And, and maybe they will be. I mean, we're, we're all wounded and broken, and we live in a broken world with other people who are also wounded and broken. So yeah. it's not a good recipe for Ooh. good self-esteem, right? We, we create together, we, we create a culture that's broken, and that culture is what tells us what to believe. I think we often get sucked into another, another self-esteem-destroying belief that our culture you know, tries to sell us about what success looks like. Mm-hmm. In North America and increasingly around the world, we primarily equate success with wealth, influence, or fame. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say that people who, uh, people who, who, um, who see the need for those things, um, they don't necessarily even use them to make life better for anybody mm-hmm. outside the, the, themselves or, or their, maybe their family. Yeah. I, I also think health mm. is one to throw in there. Um, mm. Eating well costs money. A gym membership costs money. And it's easy to look at a celebrity and go like, oh, they look amazing. <clears throat> yeah, it's their full-time job to look amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they pay for trainers yeah. and dietitians yeah. and therapists. Like, yeah. man, if my mental health was better generally, 
who knows what I could accomplish <laughs> if I could you're, afford you're, you're all doing, the therapy in the world. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. You're doing great even I'm, with your struggles. I'm pretty successful, all things considered. But, man, if I could spend less time <laughs> saying awful things to myself in my head, mm. boy, imagine what I could get done. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I think... You know, the the overriding message our culture gives us, though, is is success trumps purpose. Mm -hmm. It's about what makes me, um, you know, yeah, wealthy, powerful, famous, whatever. It's not about what makes the world better. So what's the alternative to accepting these these powerful but damaging beliefs about our self-esteem? I want to go to the teachings of a famous rabbi who lived in the first century. You may have heard of him. His name is Jesus. (laughs) And also one of his representatives who wrote down a lot of what Jesus taught. Most of us know him as St. Paul. In a letter Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in the Greek city of Ephesus, he said this, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Wow, there's a lot There's a lot to unpack here. The first word I want to look at is the word poetry. It's funny because before we started, um, actually we were doing a sound check and we we both, I think I started uh, quoting a soliloquy from Hamlet, is it? No, it's the Scottish play. Oh, the Scot. Oh, we won't say the name. We're not okay. in a theater, so it's technically fine, but okay. I don't know, that actor training runs deep. Macbeth. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Kevin memorized it because I used to... I memorized it a long time yeah. ago, and she thought it was cool. So we, yeah, yeah. we were quoting Shakespeare together yeah. here. But um, I, I'm i not a poet, but I'm a writer. Yes. And I love beautifully a beautifully worded phrase. Mm-hmm. And I often agonize over the perfect adjective or metaphor because I, I like language to be beautiful. You wouldn't know from listening to me speak, but my writing is better. <laughs> I say that to clients all the time. Great writer, terrible speaker. <laughs> but you, do you do that too? Do you do. agonize over, I mean, you've written some beautiful poetry and song lyrics in Thank your day. Thank you. Uh, in my day, yes. <clears throat> all 29 years worth of them. Um, yeah, I, poetry, absolutely. But even, even just like website content, which I you know write day job. in and day out. That's my nine to five. There is a there is always a perfect word mm-hmm. um, to get across what you're trying to say, and some words have better rhythm and cadence than others. Yeah, I love that too. I I really love um, a, a sentence to flow with a with a, mm-hmm. a pleasant sounding rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I it's a, oof. Gives me chills. <laughs> so the point I'm making here is that writing a poem is anything but random. Every word is selected with care, and it's put together in a cadence that accomplishes the goal of the poet, right? Wouldn't you rather be thought of as a beautiful and carefully crafted piece of poetry than a random accident of nature? <laughs> <laughs> really, our, our culture has largely rejected faith, and along with that, embraced evolution. So how might that influence our self-esteem? If we believe our origin is evolution through a process of random selection, that kind of takes away any notion of being beautiful or special, doesn't it? 
I mean, I've said for years that I'm an evolutionary failure. I just, I really have no will to survive. I'm a creature of comfort. So, yeah, that certainly makes a, a nicer statement. For sure. And, I mean, we don't believe because something appeals, to, a belief appeals to us. Well, we shouldn't believe something just because a belief appeals to us. Because it's nice, but, yeah. Yeah. But, and I'm not going to get into a big discussion about evolution versus intelligent design here. But there's a lot of evidence for intelligent design, and it doesn't necessarily have to negate aspects of evolution completely. Mm-mm. People have lots of different thoughts on that. I know it's controversial for some people, but all I want to say here is that believing you are loving created by an intelligent creator doesn't mean you have to shut off your brain. Yeah, we are pro-science in this house. Absolutely. And I invite you to do your own research on old earth creationism and intelligent design. But for now, let's just agree that most sources in our culture tell tell us that we've evolved by random selection. Mm-hmm. The next word the Apostle Paul used in his letter I want to talk about is the word Destiny. So it starts, he is be- he, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. There is so much more to life than getting rich and powerful. St. Paul is saying that God actually has a plan for every life. And while it's not just about our own enjoyment, finding our purpose and investing our lives in it does give us great satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Humans crave purpose. Life is about so much more than just going to work, digesting food, flipping through Instagram, and going to sleep only to do it all over again. If Paul was right, we have a destiny. And our destiny involves the last word that I want to talk about, and that is the word joined. We have become as poetry a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. So what does that mean? Well, it's referring to a spiritual connection that we can have with Jesus by inviting him into our day-to-day lives. We can talk to him in prayer. We can listen to him when he talks to us which is usually by when he places impressions in our minds or by making specific verses in the Bible stand out to us if we're reading, we can actually have a relationship with him in that way. Having that relationship with God through Jesus is the reason Jesus came into the world. Jesus said it this way, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but will experience everlasting life. That's a whole lot of love. (laughs) Can Can you think of anything less than that kind of perfect love and total commitment that would make you give up your own child? I mean, there were days, but no. It depends on the child. Not really. So if you ever wonder what God thinks of you, think of that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's your value. That's your worth. That should give your self-esteem a boost. <laughs> well, and I think I think a lot of us either don't consider that we have an issue with self-esteem or we have sort of stop gaps that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, 
and it could be things like your and like this is I don't want to pander to anybody but like your Instagram likes like yeah that's low hanging fruit but it could be like if you're a student it could be your test scores oh sure it could be how you perform at work when I got laid off I was devastated so much of my identity was wrapped up in my career and now I was this unemployed person and in my mind I just completely lost all of my value because it was like this is one thing that makes me that proves that I'm smart and interesting and, and like creative and cool and so much of my identity came from that and even now like I've learned that lesson and I I it's better but it's still not where it should be if I lost my job today I would still feel like I lost a good chunk of my identity. So I think it's really important that we really evaluate where our identity and where our self-esteem comes from. Like what what feeds you? Because anything that comes externally can can be a problem. I'm not going to say it is. Yeah, but well, it can be removed, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas if we take our self-esteem from the fact that we... Um, have been created like a poem intentionally and lovingly that we were worth the sacrifice of God's son that we have been invited into God's family and that he's preparing an incredible eternity for us in in a, a world for lack of a better term a realm that is better than anything we could ever imagine I mean, that tells us something, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So are there ways that you have learned to draw on that knowledge in moments when you don't feel great about yourself? I wish I had a good answer for that, but I don't. Um, I feel like I used to. Right? Well, no, that's not true. Uh, Like I said, I've gained a lot of weight. I have pretty much doubled in size over the last decade. Um, And that's hard because it was never a problem. I, you know, there was a time in my, in my youth that I wouldn't even try swimsuits on. I would just grab them off the rack and be like, this is my size. It'll look great. Mm -hmm. Because it did. And I felt great. And I, I didn't have a problem with anything. And now... (laughs) the anxiety that comes from swimsuit shopping. So my self-esteem didn't used to be as rough as it is right now. And I really wish I had a good answer, but I don't. Hmm. Um, Right now, I'm just living with discomfort. And I go, I tell myself that what I believe matters doesn't actually matter. That's not necessarily the same as believing it Mm -hmm. or feeling it. Mm -hmm. All I can do is manage my self-talk. Or all I've found to do is manage my self-talk, mm-hmm. I should say. Well, and I think something else we can do is is look at what God says about us. Oh, for sure. You know, Psalm, um, I believe it's 139. Is it 39 or 139? I think it's 139 that talks about how how intentionally and lovingly we were created, even, even in the womb. Um, you know, and that we are so loved that... that God actually, you know, sings and dances over us. He's so excited about us. And um, I I just think those thoughts are so beautiful. But we have to keep them 
um, uppermost in our mind because we're always being bombarded by what culture says about us. Mm -hmm. That is not helpful, right? I mean, it's just so easy to make comparisons that are so destructive and unhealthy. Well, and this was with the background on my phone for ages comparison is the thief of joy mm-hmm, totally it really truly is yeah and i you know i actually think that's a really good place for us to end off today um we'd love to know what you thought about this episode yeah, and we'd, we'd love, love for you to share you. it with someone yeah yeah send it to your tell your friends um <laughs> At any rate, um, you can connect with us on Instagram. We're at Grow on the Go Pod, um, and you can connect with Mom on Facebook. Just Donna Carter. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, that is it for us today on Grow on the Go. I'm Kevin Pankhurst, and I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at FaithStrongToday.com.